information presented on For the People is provided as general legal information. The general legal information is intended to inform consumers, is not intended to substitute for specific legal advice as it relates to the listener's specific legal issue. Consumers are cautioned not to rely on the general legal information broadcast on For the People as legal advice. No attorney-client relationship is created, intended, or implied between the consumers of For the People and Deborah Rainey Esquire, the compassionate lawyer, or the law office of Deborah D. Rainey. Please consult with an attorney for your specific legal issue. people says the constitution created for creating solutions however we the people lack the understanding legal terms and conditions sound written on another planet our rights we take for granted often signing away our chances because we don't really know the circumstances i swear i can't stand it then we're so demanding quick to throw up a picket sign in the streets to exercise our freedom of speech when the situation could have been avoided from the start if we the people conquer basic knowledge of the law so this is for the people law in plain language breaking it down for us in layman terms deb expressing her compassion and will for us to learn not for a check but to address how to win in these streets this show is for you this show is for me it's for the people What's up, what's up, what's up? It must be Tuesday night, 8 p.m. This is Deb Rainey, the compassionate lawyer. I'm going to tell you something right now. It's on tonight. You hear me? I'm in the middle of another jury trial. It's on, y'all, like popcorn. Joining me in the studio, as usual, my For the People fam, Black, a.k.a. the Broke Poet. What's up, fam? What's up, what's up? The PhD candidate producer. Hey, producer, PhD candidate, how are you? I'm only acknowledging because you said the PhD. And ladies and gentlemen, by the by, my baby, our producer got props, got recognition by the mayor of Philadelphia, Mayor Michael Nutter. Oh, that's right. Your Honor, I didn't vote for you. I still don't agree with your politics, but I appreciate what you did. Last week there was a vigil, I pledge, hosted by. Women Against Abuse, a local abuse organization here in Philadelphia. And our producer was asked to speak as one of the survivors. She gave a, a, a touching and just powerful sort of vignette of her story. And right after she presented her presentation, um, the Honorable Mayor Michael Nutter got up and he looked directly at her as we're sitting in the front row. And he just bows to her. Everyone stands up and claps. She's got a powerful story. You can find her story on womenagainstabuse.philly.org under Survivors, or you can check out last week's um, Inquirer. And she was also on Fox News with the director of Women Against Abuse, and her name is, baby, that's your friend. I forgot her name. 
Just have your people call my people. Let's see, look at her. She's all full of herself <laughs> now. So having said all that, welcome to another episode of For the People. If you didn't know, you're listening to www.gtownradio.com. G-Town, the what? The sound from Germantown. Joining us in the studio, we have a special guest, and her name is Crystal Walker. Hey, Crystal, say what's up. Hey, what's up? All right, I'm going to need you to project, girl. I know you got a louder voice than that. Once again, Crystal, say what's up. What's up? All right. <laughs> So, y'all, Crystal is in the studio with us because we are talking about, and I have no idea about the show as much as I usually do because I just got here five minutes ago from my office. It's been a long day. But Renee puts together all the shows. Y'all know when you check the website, she does a fabulous job. Tonight's show, Can an Unintentional Act Resulting in Death Land You in Jail for Homicide? And that's an interesting question. And just to give you a little bit of a juice, there are certain degrees of homicide in every state, even in the federal government. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And Crystal's going to give us uh, some insight into her personal situation. And y'all, I'm here to tell you, girlfriend got something to stay. So as I do on every show, I'll talk a little bit about last week's show. I want to say a shout out to Thomas Ford, executive producer, strike that. Director of Exit Us um, for Returning Citizens, William and Letitia Webb, the Director and Operations Manager, in other words, the big boss, Letitia Webb, they run Opportunity Inc. They were on last week's show talking about some of the opportunities that are out there for those folks who are struggling and trying to find their way around and try to find their way through. We also talked a little bit about some of the programs that are available at the local Philadelphia Community College and also of the educational opportunities. No pressure for, black. No pressure black. For oh, grants black. and loans, <laughs> either through the federal government or time. the Pennsylvania Higher Education Agency. And we talked about folks putting in their browser for their state, the Higher Education Agency for their state, to get more information about educations. We talked about the difference between a grant and a loan. Remember what I said. I grant you money, you ain't got to pay it back. I loan you money, you got to pay it back plus interest. We also talked about there was a myth out there that said if you have a conviction for drugs that you automatically disqualify for a federal student loan. It does not. Renee and I, Renee actually made an effort and called the, um, Department, fi- of the Department of Education. And if you read on the, fi- the um, what is it, the FISA form, FIFA? FIFA? Fast Okay, it's FAFSA, but you ain't filled it out yet, huh? You know what? I did a little something. Good, good girl. <laughs> it's the federal um, student aid application. And what the question, the question says is, at the time you get this conviction for drugs, were you receiving or had you received any money from the federal government? If you do have a conviction, but you had not at any time before that conviction or after, receive federal money, then you say no to the question and it don't apply to you. You're not automatically disqualified if it does apply to you. There's other information that you can, other questions and other routes that you can take. But check out that episode and all our episodes on DebraRennyLaw.com, D-E-B-R-A-R-A-I-N-E-Y-L-A-W.com or ForThePeople.Podomatic, P-O-D-O-M-A-T-I-C.com. And click on that episode, which should be probably episode 38 by and now. And just remember that the change in your life begins with you, no matter what's your past, what's your background, elevating yourself. Sure. The more education you put there, 
looking at black. The more education you put there, the more you push other stuff down. And, I mean, in this climate where it's tough to get jobs, you the times that Deborah's hired for our office, we get attorneys applying for positions as paralegals. So you need to make sure that you update and increase, improve your credentials so that way it makes you more employable. And you got to take care of you. I don't care how many people tell you no, you keep on trying. And somebody said, and I think it was Renee, and I'm not sure, that even if you fall, so as long as you can look up, you can there get you up. Go. Right. And if that was just fall, an amazing. You fall, you want to fall backwards because if you can look up, you can get up. That was just an amazing little tidbit. Okay, now before we start with tonight's show, I gotta warn y'all. I got a rant coming, so y'all need to stay around and check this rant <laughs> out. And y'all know I only rant when I'm on trial. Tonight we're talking about, and I wasn't sure about the can you go to jail for homicide if death results from an unintentional act. It depends on the charges in the state, and most importantly, it depends on the, the district attorney's office in the jurisdiction where you are. We know in Philadelphia, damn, they try to arrest you and charge you with homicide for spitting on somebody, so we know it's a little bit <laughs> tighter in Philadelphia. Other jurisdictions do things differently. Um, the bottom line here is if someone dies and there are circumstances present that will allow charges to lie, they more than likely probably will. I'm going to say this to all of y'all out there and, and within the sound of my voice. If you're involved in an accident or something, where someone is seriously hurt, maimed, or they die, the first thing you don't want to do, don't leave the scene. Don't run away, because guess what? That's just demonstrating you got something to hide. It's going to make the man try to come after you. And in Pennsylvania, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, you have a duty to render aid if you're present at the scene and you are part of an accident, or even if you see an accident, you have to render aid. We're going to talk more about that, more about this accidental um, an unintentional act leading to death. And we're going to hear from Miss Crystal Walker and her amazing story. Don't go nowhere. And CP folk, remember, we're on till 920. It's 930. I we'll be right back. 930, my bad. We'll be right back. <laughs>
Welcome back, welcome back. This is Deb Rainey, the Compassionate Lawyer. You're listening to For the People, Law in Plain Language. We're talking to Miss Crystal Walker. And by the by, that was Shaggy. That wasn't me. And I've I've been deciding what proper trial I want to ask my judge to use that as my coming out music. Just before I'm about to do my opening, I'm people popping down the aisle. The Shaggy, I'm just playing, y'all. It's been one of those weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, joining us in the studio is a very young-looking lady who you're going to find out went through some stuff. And y'all remember from last week, my word for MF Mama Black is milk flour. My word for the HIT with the S in front of it, is spits. And then Black, didn't we waste our time last week with us giving us all But I'm still going to say bitch. Words, man, 20 minutes later, she still was all over <laughs> And the a bitch is going to be a bitch. <laughs> and I'm going to say a bitch because it could be a dog in heat. Now, why are you going to make a Mama female Black dog? But Mama Black's She'll not because she agreed with that, bitch. Right, Mama Black? Uh, She's like, I don't okay. think so. <laughs> anyway, Crystal, tell the, um, how old are you as you sit here today in the studio? I am 30. And, wow, well, yeah, she looked like she probably about 20-something. And, Crystal, That's good. are you currently on state parole, state probation, anything like that? I am on parole. Until when? 2029. Good Jesus. Good Jesus. This is 2012. That is another 16, 17 years. My God in heaven. What was it that you were, what was your total sentence that you were given, Crystal? I received a 13 to 30-year sentence. And was that the re- how did that come about? Was that the result of a trial, a plea? What happened? That was the result of an open plea. And ladies and gentlemen, if you go back to one of my older shows, it's a show called Waivers and Juries and Pleas. Oh, my. When I had my girl, Miss Weaver, come on. What an open plea essentially is, and tell me if this worked out for you the way it was supposed well. We know the numbers didn't work out, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. We're going to put your lawyer on blast because that's just awful. But an open plea, ladies and gentlemen, the defense attorney and the district attorney's office agree on the charges to plead to. Plead to. There may even be an agreement with respect to the degree, first degree, second degree, and so, so on. What you don't agree on, though, is the amount of time that one's going to receive as a result of what they're pleading guilty to. So the accused is actually pleading guilty to certain charges um, based on an agreement between the district attorney's office and, and the defense attorney. But the defense attorney and uh, accused are throwing themselves at the mercy of the judge with respect to what kind of sentence they're going to get. And generally speaking, the judges are supposed to consider things like the nature and circumstances of the crime, the nature and circumstances and the facts that led to the crime, and the accused, the accused character, the accused record, the accused age, all those things should be considered and should be argued effectively by an effective defense attorney. And I'm getting ready to tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, a 13 to 30 as a result of an open plea, I would have turned around and been charged with homicide because I'd have killed my attorney. But having said all that... But she does not recommend that. How old were you, Crystal, when this um, open plea occurred? 
uh, I think I was 17. And during that time, did you have somebody in your family looking out for you in addition to your lawyer, or was it just you relying on your lawyer's advice? I was relying on my lawyer's advice. This was the first time anyone in my family had ever been in trouble with the law. So, And it was a severe crime, a homicide in the third degree. So I just went along with whatever... And and if anybody is curious, the statute calls for a 20 to 40 sentence with a homicide. And you expect third degree, and you expect that after like a jury trial and you're found guilty and the judges want to punish you for exercising your right to a jury trial. So the 20 to 40 that you would have expected from a jury trial, you got 10 years less than that as a result of an open plea taking responsibility for what you did. Huh, that sounds fair and just, right? So anyway, before we get too far into this whole interviewing thing with Crystal, let me ask you a question, Crystal. Prior to the circumstances that led you to do whatever you're going to tell us about later, what kind of girl were you? Were you a pain in the butt? Were you feeling yourself? What was you about? I think I was everything. A to Z and everything in between. All right, don't be afraid of that mic or act like that's your boy. Act act like that's your man up there. um, What do you mean by everything? You was doing a little this and a little that, is that right? A little bit. Was you smoking weed? I did smoke weed. Was you was you was you banging? Banging what? Gang banging. Oh no. You was just hanging out. Just hanging out, trying to be grown. You know, at sixteen, you just smelling yourself and you become rebellious. And I think I was lightweight, a product of my environment. Where you where'd you grow up at? Um, North Philadelphia. North Philly. What's up, North Philly? (laughs) So. What what was the family life at home? Did you have mom, dad, sisters, brothers, or you wasn't there because you don't know? I was raised by my grandparents. Wow, okay. I was raised by my grandparents. What's their last name? Walker. Grandma, Grandpa, Walker. If y'all still with us, how you doing? If you're not, God bless you. My grandpa passed away. I'm sorry. Grandma's still out there. Grandma's here, and she's rocking with me. She's holding me down. I love you so much. She love you, Grandma. We love you, too. Ladies and gentlemen, by the by, if you want to get in a conversation, make a comment, do anything, you can hit us up at 215-609-4301. You can text us at 215-435-4099 if you're scared. You can email us, for the people at DebraRayLaw.com. Smack that Facebook page, For the People, Law and Plain Language. Follow me on Twitter, DebraRayLaw. Hit us up, get involved, let us hear from you. Grandma Walker, thank you. Okay, Crystal, so you were being raised by Grandma and Grandpa. Is there a, a brother or sister, those kind of folks? I do have one brother. I have one sister, but I have a slew of aunts, mm-hmm. uh, uncles, cousins, you know. So um, generally, I, I believe I was a good kid. And, um, you know, I just was fascinated by the streets. I, You know, I, I wanted to be what I saw out there. And what did you see that was so fascinating? Folk getting locked up, shot, what? What I thought was... Fly or what I thought was decent fashion, clothes, cars, money, bling. At that time, it wasn't bling. So the hustlers <laughs> was out there buying yeah. shoes, buying this, buying that. Money was easy for them, and you wanted that. Yeah. Was grandma and grandpa working at the time they were raising you, or they were retired? Or? Well, my, my grandmother was working, my grandfather was retired, and they loved me with every breath that they took. What was your parents, mom and dad? Well, my mom was um, in active addiction. And that's why I was raised by my grandparents. Wow, bless you. And so, so, can I take it now that mom's in recovery? Mom is in recovery. Mom, bless you. Years. For sure. Bless wow. you one day at a time. God bless you. What's her name? Her name is Christine Walker. Christine Walker, God bless hey, you hey, one sissy. day at a time. If you're listening to us one day at a time, God bless you. So, Krista, let me be newsy right now. Mm-hmm. 
the nature of your offense. What the, what happened? Tell us what happened. Well, I'm 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 nosy now. What the hell happened? The long version. Yeah, we got the long and version, and I need you right on the mic so I don't have to call you out there. And we go. got an yeah, hour and a half. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, a poignant story, and just for y'all because you can't see Crystal. She's really thin. She's got a really young face. The voice that you you're hearing that sort of high mousy voice. It it sort goes exactly with what you what she looks like, and you <laughs> she looks at me like I'm sitting right crazy. here. <laughs> Hold up. So, and keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this story from Crystal, she told us she was 16 or 17. She ultimately, when she goes to trial, she pleads guilty. And if you recall, we had the juvenile show. Remember, in Pennsylvania, age 14 and over. Certain crimes, if you're accused thereof, the DA's office has a right to file what's called a direct file and charge you as if you were an adult. There's a process by which you can be decertified and sent back down to juvenile court. Whenever a homicide is involved, you can forget about that unless communications and talks have gone on between the DA's office and the defense counsel. And more often than not, it's not going to happen when when a homicide is involved particularly since juvenile court only has jurisdiction over a juvenile until they turn 21. So it's not likely that a juvenile who's accused of any manner of homicide, particularly first or second degree, but even third degree, would go back to juvenile court because of that that jurisdictional thing. So, Crystal, you were 16 or 17. You were fascinated by the streets. What's the long version of what led you to plead open and get a 13 to 30 sentence? I wanted to drive. At 16, all of my friends were driving, and actually my um, case was surrounded by the Greek, the Greek festival. Wow. Um, I caught my case on July 20th, 1999. And by catching her case, ladies and gentlemen, she means the facts happened. She got arrested. Right. And one of our couple of our judges don't like that because you're like, you don't catch a case. Yeah, if you live and hang out in Philly, you catch a case. And the cops will tell you, I'm going to give you a case if they feel like it. So anyway, I digress. Sorry. All right, Um, go ahead. So I just wanted to drive, you know, anybody that knows about the Greek festival, especially back then, you want to be fly. Your hair have to be done, nails, toes, everything. Mm-hmm. You have to be driving in style. You have to be like it. Well, I wanted a car. I didn't have a license. I didn't have credit cards. I didn't have anything that you Had you ever start learning how to drive yet? I know how to drive. I knew how to drive then. How? You had been just driving? Yes. People's car, anybody's car. Anybody they just gave it to you and let you drive it. Yeah. You was just a fool out there on the death mission, weren't you? Something. Looking back, probably. Okay. So you wanted to drive, it, your hair was done. It's always like that when we look back. Mm-hmm. You wanted to drive, your hair was done, your nails was dead. What happened? So on July 20th, a friend, along with myself, we went on a mission to find a car. We had money to uh, have someone, you know, rent a car for us. But we decided to take the other way and just steal a car. Okay, and and I know, but I'm going to ask this question anyway. Y'all never thought through of how y'all was planning on stealing the car, right? No, All right. I never even that it it never happened before. I never stole a car before, so I just I don't even know. I, I, like clearly, I wasn't thinking because I when I look back at it now, it's like what, 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 you know. So was you and another person, was the other person a male or a female? The other person was a female. I and was 16. She was 18. Wow. And the two of you together decided to do this. Right. And was there any thought that went into stealing this car at all? No, we just did it. All right. And and where were y'all and what did you do? We were on 
7th and Allegheny. Is that North Philly? That's North Philly. Deep in the heart of North Philly. Car out the hood. <laughs> At a, a, actually, we met this guy, um, you, a Nigerian. Ooh. And we asked him to take us to purchase some liquor at 16 and at 18. And when you met him, he was in a car? He was in a car. What kind of car was he in? It was that year, uh, Mazda 626. Wow. So back then, those cars were in. They he were was fresh. Fly, they right. Was they looked like sports runs. cars. Is it a four-door or a two-door coupe? Um, it was four-door. Okay. And, and how did y'all meet him? He drove by. Y'all said, yo, take us to get something to drink? Basically. Wow. And he stopped because he saw some young girls. He's probably older, too, right? 30s or 40s? I think he was about 31. Pedophile. Oh, sorry. Freak. Can't speak ill to that. My fault. I'll take that back. He was about 30 or 31. Renee, the main producer, is, is giving all kinds of directions <laughs> because when we listen back to this podcast that will be available on iTunes, we will not be able to hear your voice. We'll hear you talking. Like this, and you'll go. Why didn't she make me speak up? So pull closer so, to so the mic. Just hold it yeah. in your hand like it's a right. flyaway see mic. See how I have my face right up on it. Do that. All right. So you see this night? You didn't know it was Nigerian at the time, right? I you had just no idea. He saw y'all. He stopped her. Y'all pulled him over. What happened? Um, the other party pulled him over and asked if he could purchase us liquor to do to us being underage. You know, we didn't have an ID or anything, so. He agreed. She got in the front seat. I got in the back seat. Did he, did he make y'all pay him any extra money for buying you underage liquor? Um, no, we just gave him the $20 for whatever we wanted. And was he expecting to keep the change or was he expecting to get something back in, I had in no return? Idea. We never even thought about it because we only had one plan to get him out the car to get his car. Okay. And did he take y'all to a liquor store? He did. And what happened? We went to a couple of them. They were closed. All these signs... They were closed, so we decided to go to a bar on the corner of 7th and Allegheny at the time. It was called um, Romans. Right. And we told him what we wanted him to purchase. The other party gave him $20, and he went into the bar. Wow. Okay. Then what? He left his keys in the car. He left his keys in the car? Left the car running? He left the car running. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very interesting um, dialogue. We're going to take a really quick break, but we'll be right back.
Welcome back to For the People Law in Plain Language with me, Deb Brainy, the compassionate lawyer, Black, a.k.a. the Brooke Poet, simply the PhD candidate producer, Mm -hmm. and joining us is Miss Crystal Walker. Well, on the other side of the break, y'all heard that Crystal, at 16, was smelling herself, thinking she knew what was out there, was turned on by the street, the lure of the streets. Her and her 18-year-old compadre, co-defendant in our language, Decided they wanted to get a core, a core, or a core. A core. <laughs> we need a core. Met a <laughs> Nigerian dude on the corner of 7th and Allegheny. And booyah, Crystal, y'all. Met the dude at the corner of 7th and Allegheny. He took y'all around to several uh, liquor stores, but they were closed. Is that right? That's correct. And then y'all went to a bar. He got out of the car, left his keys in the car. And what happened next, baby girl? Tell your family, stop texting her. Call in, 215-609-4301. Don't be scared. Who texted? I'm being nosy. That's my Aunt Sherry. Hi, Aunt Sherry. Give us a call. Say how proud you are of your baby. 215-609-4301. It's all good. Or text us, 215. I don't know the text number. 435-4099. I got you back, boy. I know that's right. So, Crystal, and, and, and ladies and gentlemen, forgive me for this. I am stunned by this open plea of 15 to 30 years. Good googly goog. That's worth going to trial for and at least trying to get a third of that. Anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there, and that's water under the bridge. You're at the bar. Dude gets out of the bar. This 30-year-old Nigerian, probably a pedophile anyway. Let me ask you this, Crystal. When you were 16... Was y'all dressing like y'all was grown with all kind of makeup, looking like you were older than what you were? But, you I mean, you got a baby face no, as you sit here Exactly. Now. <laughs> so, no, I didn't wear makeup. I don't wear makeup now. Like, okay. And no. your co-defendant, the 18-year-old, she could look as young as you or does she no, look older? she looked a lot older than I did. Like, she looked a little rough, did maybe, she? Maybe, yeah, maybe like 20-ish. All right, now, you got to get up on that mic. Okay, so you're at the bar at Roman's what? At 7th and Allegheny. What's the name of the bar? Romans. It's not open anymore, is it? No, I just drove past there not too long ago. You're driving now? You got no, a license? I'm having, no, I don't have my <laughs> license. I'm in a process. I'm reading the manual, the Good driver's girl. manual. Good girl. But, um, you know, my family, I, I like to say chauffeurs me around. Whoa. So I have a question when it comes to, I heard the driver's license. Can she vote in a couple of weeks? Yes. You, and remember in Pennsylvania, you can't vote. The only Way time is if you haven't registered to vote or if you're in custody. So long as you register to vote, whether you're in, on parole or on probation, you are allowed to vote in the state of Pennsylvania as long as you're not physically incarcerated. And remember, y'all, that that Pennsylvania Act 18 has been held in obeyance. What does that mean? You go to a polling place. They may ask you for your ID, but they cannot turn you away if you don't have it. And that's just for this election. So, Crystal, God bless you. You're going to vote, right? I am voting. Good so, is girl. this your this is your first this election? This is my first time. And how voting. amazing that your that's first awesome. election Let's has a black man in the panel. She come out and things are on blast. She got the black man ready to vote for good. That's what I'm, I'm talking excited. about. So, we'll get there in a second. You're at Romans. The man goes, did, y- did, y- did y'all get a chance to learn the man's name? We did. And what was his name? His name was Raymond Azunda. Raymond Azunda from Nigeria? He was from Nigeria. And he was probably flipping money and I have no idea. dressed all flashy, right? He was flashy. Okay. So he went into Romans, and what happened? He left his keys in a car. Okay. And at this time, the other party and myself were negotiating 
who's going to drive the, you know, get drive the car. And she's like, you do it. And I'm like, no, you do it. Like, was no, it a stick or automatic? It was automatic. And I think you told us that the co-defendant was in the passenger seat next to him when you were in the in back, back behind the driver. Right. Okay. And you're doing all this, and I take it you didn't decide quick enough because he came out. No, that's not what happened. What happened? Actually, well, I jumped in the front seat and pulled off. And as I'm pulling off, he's coming out of the bar. So the car was in reverse. She was telling me, the party that was with me, excuse me, was telling me to reverse, to go back. To back up. To back out. But I see him coming, so I just, like, was froze. I just was stuck I guess I was like in shock and um she reached over with her foot and just put the her foot on a pedal the so gas pedal right so now the car is going all crazy in reverse so I threw the car in drive and just drove off just drove straight by this time his arms is around the um like the window pane, both of the windows was down. It was the summer, July 20th. So both of the windows was down. He wrapped his arms around the window pane. And held on to the car. And held on to the vehicle. Wow. So as I'm, I want to stop the car, but I hear her in my ear like, he's going to he's gonna kill us if you stop this car. Like, he's going to beat us up. You need to, like, keep driving. So I'm like, I don't even know it's happening so fast. So I'm just like driving through stop signs, through stoplights. But you had how when you when you said the car ended up in reverse, you didn't put it in reverse. You said your co-defendant did. I was sitting in the car. I went to back it out into okay. reverse. So Romans is a does it have its own private it's lot? It's right on the corner. Okay, but you don't parallel park in front of it. Mm-hmm. You had to park at a lot. Park no, in space. No, you park on a street. It's a it's a street with houses on a. Black, but, and you couldn't bar. go forward? I could, but I, I guess she was telling me to back out to go... Another way. Another way. Okay. And at that point, had y'all seen this... What's his last name? Mr. Azunda. Mr. Azunda coming out of the bar towards the car? I saw him coming out. And how did you react? Did you scream? Did you yell? No, I just stopped. I just was, like, frozen. I couldn't move. That's why the car was still in reverse, and my foot was on a, you know, the brake, because I saw him, and I, I think at that time... I just wanted to, like, jump out the car and run. But because I had someone else in my ear, like, you need to go. He's going to F us up. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. You need to, you know, so now, like, my adrenaline is pumping. I'm not really focused on That fight right or flight thing. mode kicked in. Right. Is that what you want to call it? Okay, so you, then she slams on the gas and the car backs up. And the car backs out. Was it, what point before she slammed on the, the gas or was it simultaneously that he jumped on the car and wrapped his arms around the car? Been. Like, simultaneously, wow. just like that. And how long did it take you to realize he had his arms wrapped around the windows of that car? Probably immediately. And you still couldn't react or didn't react or I didn't just, want to react? I don't even know. I don't even know it happened so fast did you just that it wasn't a, a thought. Here's my thing. I never thought that someone would die. That's what it was. So it's not that it wasn't a, a, a thought like, oh, this is going to happen or this is going to happen. I never in a million years that thought that someone would die at my hands if that's the way it's perceived. Okay. And, you know, but I think this is what that's so amazing about her story. Not saying that stealing a car is the right thing to do, but it's not like she went up, put a gun on somebody's head to hijack a car, carjack a car, the gun went off or whatever. Um, I call, but, and, 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 you know, we always say that we were all, 
one step of way of crossing over but that line. But for the grace of God, but there for go the grace I. of you know, right, and exactly, thing being that, in the wrong place at the wrong time and the wrong thing happened. Well, I don't, I, I don't think this qualifies as wrong place at wrong time. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Crystal and her co-defendant had evil thoughts in their mind. They was about to do something, and I don't mean evil like Bible brimstone, all right. that thou hill kneel nonsense. What I'm saying is y'all wasn't about no good that day. Right. Not that you're not being about any good was intended to cause somebody to lose their life. I get that. But one of our shows, we talked about how teenagers lack that je ne sais quoi, that necessary thing that can make them plan ahead. You feel me? Be able to prepare for what's coming next, to take that extra step and think through what they're doing, as do those 35-year-olds who still sell drugs, and you don't know my rule. And the rest of y'all out there, remember Deb's rule. If you're 35, you're not allowed to sell drugs no damn more. Get, a, get an adult crime, but not carjacking. <laughs> but, you know, I still anyway. have to say, though, you're in the car. Somebody gets out. You go to steal their cars. And I even So they get out of the car. It's not a sh- <laughs> You're not going to expect that they're going to run back and grab onto right. their car. Right, right. But, I mean- but if it's a 1999 Mazda, whatever it is, and you already knew dude was flashy from what he was dressing or whatever. It's not a stretch to think that he would do that. But when you're 16, I don't know that you have that necessary thing in your mind because your brain is still developing. Our Supreme Court has said, and research shows, kids' brains don't get to that level where it's developed until they're 20-something. And we know some men out there who are 50, and they shit ain't developed yet. Excuse but you know what? And, 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 but I still have to say that I can't think that anyone would think ahead and say, well, we're going to do this. We're going to, you know, when they get out of the car or the spare of the moment, um, he's going to come back and grab the car. I mean, it's the same sure. thing when you uh, sure, when sure, you sure. were talking to <coughs> anyone in reference to physical Under- violence. You know, someone said something to you, you say something back, it's over something. You know, they got in line before, ahead of you. You punch them, they go down, they hit their head on the side of the curb, and all you meant to do is punch them, and well, all of a sudden now they're dead because in, of an accident. There's laws and in, 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 in arguments and levels out there and when you're in a court of law that deal with and provide the necessary tools for the defense counsel to minimize, for example, from first degree, second degree, and, th- and so on. Before we get continue on with that, Crystal, you were saying he has his arms wrapped around the car. You backed up, and then you started peeling forward, going through stop signs and stuff. Are you still in North Philly in the area of 7th and Allegheny, or have you gone somewhere else by this point? By this time, I'm like on 5th Street, 5th and Glenwood, 5th. Wow. Fourth in Glenwood, straight down Glenwood. When do you realize he's no longer holding on to the car? I I have to be honest. I didn't. I didn't until the other party that was with me told me that he wasn't on the car anymore. Okay. And then when you realized and your co-defendant told you he wasn't on the car anymore, what did you do? I, I wasn't even in my right mind. I didn't even know what to do. So it's as if like she was... She was telling me what to do, and this is why I have a problem, not with authority, but I'll never allow anyone to have that much control over my life. When I say that I am my own woman today and I make my own decisions, not that I was a follower before but or, or that I ever been a follower, but that day I really was. It, it you, felt like I was on demand, like what she said I did. But also stream. back then, too, let's be honest, you were 16, so you were still trying to figure out what it meant to be 
responsible for anything anyway. And I'm not making excuses for what happened or for what you did or for what you and your, your co-defendants thought, thoughts were about wanting to steal a car. But we also know that at kid, teenagers are teenagers regardless. It is hard sometimes to attribute to them this notion, this idea of being responsible for making decisions and following through with those decisions. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I hear you now as you sit here saying that you're on your own woman now, but back then at 16 or 17, you weren't. And you weren't ready to be yet anyway. Do you understand that? Mm-hmm. So you don't remember when he fell off or let go or how he let go, but she told you he was no longer holding on. And to How far had y'all gone or had you driven when she told you, oh, he's no longer on the car or something, a car or something like that? Mm, approximately five blocks. That's all? Five blocks? Five blocks speeding. And speeding what, 60, 70? According to the paperwork. 80 to 100 miles per hour. And what were you trying to get away from? Him? Yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact he was holding on to the car door. And while he was holding on, could you see him holding on while you were driving? I just kept my eyes on a roll, and I was relying on her to tell me. And then she's like, listen, you need to get him off the car. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what to do. I'm like, I'm, I'm driving. Like, I'm my, I don't even know what to Did do. You, so she like grabs the wheel. Did you hit any other parked cars? No. Anybody else? Come up to the mic. No one got hit. No one. Nothing. And ultimately, how? Why or how did you end up stopping that car? Once she told me that he was off, I began to slow the car down. And during this time, did you hear any sirens or lights or anything behind you? No. You slowed the car down. Then what happened? I got out and ran. I didn't even park the car. You left it running? I, I left the car running. She actually parked the car, and I just ran and, like... Where were you running to? Um, Her house, around that well, area. Well, dang, you couldn't wait for her? She had the keys, right? I didn't care. Okay. And did you guys like arrive scared. at her house at the same time? No. Where'd you go? Actually, what happened, how I, like, came to a complete stop... A guy that was at 7th Allegheny at the next light saw the entire thing from the from Mr. Azunda getting out his car, um, me jumping from the back passenger seat to the driver's seat. He saw everything, so he cut me off. That's how I came to a stop. He cut me off, and I was so scared because he, like, he asked me, is that somebody else? And I'm so delusional. What do you mean, is that somebody else? I guess he thought that was his friend. But the name that he was saying... He was asking, was that Chuck? Was that Chuck? And did he get out of his car and come up to that he car? He got out of his car. He parked his car. He cut the car that I was driving off. And you didn't hit that car? No, he just cut it off because I, I kind of like pulled over because he like, y'all need to pull over. So now I'm scared. I'm thinking like, this is his friend. He's going to kill me. I don't know what. So I have a ton of fleeting emotions going through my mind at this time. And what were you thinking about Mr. Azunda? At that time, I I wasn't. Okay. I had no, like, I wasn't. And when the man was saying, is that Chuck, is that Chuck, was he pointing to a body or was he just saying, is that Chuck's car? He was at, he was pointing backwards, like, is that Chuck? Uh. And, and my, she's not my co-defendant. She never got charged. She ne- So I, I'm, she wasn't charged. She's your unindicted co-conspirator. How's right. that? Okay, okay. Thank you. Unindicted. She's a rat. Okay. A snitch. Yeah. All right. So, um, and in one of our shows, y'all, especially for Crystal's family, all of us save our producer came up with this laudable, usable, fair definition of what a snitch is. And what we decided, what we decided, okay, good, decided that a snitch is not a person 
who's out there, witnesses a crime, and provides information to the police. Let me say that again real slow. A snitch is not a person who's out there who saw something go down in our neighborhood, a crime being committed, and provided information of what they saw. That's not a snitch, y'all. So stop terrorizing and threatening one another when they're trying to help out and clean up our neighborhood. A snitch is, in my opinion, you're all up and through the flavor, all involved in the, in the snip, the spit, whatever you want to call it, and you do what you do, say what you day for the benefit of saving your butt and your cold D goes down and you get nothing. That's a snitch. You a rat, you a snitch, and guess what? You got to answer before God on Judgment Day. See what happened to you. You got a problem with my definition of a snitch? Freedom of speech, First Amendment, give me a call. Let me know, 215-609-4301. So, Crystal, based on what you said, your co-defendant was a snitch. Yeah. She's all up and through it, instigating mess, and nothing happens to her. Absolutely. Okay, so you run to her house, then what? Um, Oh, my God, no comment from the producer? She ain't roll her eyes. She ain't. Oh, she not listening. I see that. I'm not listening. <laughs> up on her face. Normally, like, y'all what? know those of y'all who are regular. I was show, busy producing. She'd have been on there getting on me. Now nah, I told my baby to tell what she knows. How snitch she, all day long. How does she end up not getting nothing though? Did she just straight say that you were the the mastermind and she was going along with you scared? How Everything you, you and said the, the most is what awful she said. thing is that you're the baby, she the oldest. Yeah. How could they even buy that? Was yeah. she right. white? That's crazy. No. Was she Latina? <laughs> no. Was she black? Yes. Was her people's cops? Uh, no. Was her people's connected? No. She's like somebody's ding dong. Maybe. Huh. Okay. <laughs> so Maybe. you run to her house That's and crazy, yeah. you don't know what happened to her, but you presume or you may have saw out of fleetingly out of your peripherals. She's parking the car, doing whatever. Is that right? I never even saw. I left her. I left the car. I ran, and I managed to get to her house. At this time, she was living around second in American. <laughs> Who was she living with? Um, her baby father. Okay. Wow. And so, so you got to her house. What happened? I got happened? to her house, and because my adrenaline was pumping, and I'm, like, running and panting and breathing, I'm, like, ducking behind cars. Well, she wound up coming up the street skipping. She's skipping up the street as if nothing happened, but I, I didn't even think about that until years later. You know, mm. when I replayed, constantly replayed everything that took place. Well, um, so we got into her house, and um, she like, chill out, everything cool. We parked the car, whatever. Um, she parked the car. So we go in her house. She like, you need to change your clothes. You need to take your hair out. You know, it's like a real live crime. So I'm like trying to find some of her clothes to put on, take my hair out, and by this time, we. What do you mean, take your hair out? You had some weaving? Yeah. Or you had braids? No, on? I had weave and a ponytail. Okay. So I needed to, like, dis- change your appearance. Right. Okay. You do that? So that's what happened. And how did y'all end up being arrested by the police? Well, a couple weeks later. A couple weeks? A couple. Two, happened, three. This happened July 20th, 1999. I turned myself into the police. August 3rd, 4th, in the wee hours of the morning. So August 3rd, going into August 4th. Based on advice from a lawyer or because your grandparents told you it's the right thing to do? Well, because they had my mother. They had my mother in custody, not like she was going to jail, but I got a call from my best friend, one of my other best friends, like, you need to come here right now. Come here where? To Erie Avenue, where I, you know, was living. And, um... You need to come here. The police have your mom. They have the other girl. 
um, and they're questioning on a, on what happened. Now she's the only one that knew. I never told my family. I, I guess out of shame, out of guilt. Like I didn't want my family to look at me, you know, you know, in disgrace or in disgust for that matter. Before you got that phone call about the police having your mother, how did you find out, Mister Azonda? Is that his name? I want to get the name right. Azonda. 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 How did you find out he died? I had um. The same guy who cut us off, uh, like a week later, we saw him. Kareem, I'm sorry, the girl and I was still hanging together, and I, um, we saw him, and he was like, yo, that guy died. I guess it was on the news. How did he die? What was the cause of death? Um, he Blunt force trauma? Trauma to the head. So at some point while you were speeding along, he fell off and smacked his Hit head, his head and in died. the street. As far as you know, did he die instantly? Um, from the papers... About four hours later. Wow. In the hospital or on the street? In the hospital. Okay. And so um, when you get this phone call from your best friend, the police have your mother. They, she wasn't under arrest, but they were at her house with her No, there. they. she was down at the uh, roundhouse, the homicide unit. Wow. And so that was along with the snitch. Right. Wow. Mm. But they so, were in separate rooms. But obviously the snitch came first, and right. that's how they found out your mom. Right. They went to her house first. Wow. And to this day, has she ever been charged? No. To this day, has she served a day in jail? No. Let me Did ask you, what's the one thing you regret as a result of all this? If there was one thing that you would say to the listeners that you regret, what would that be? I probably, that day, that faithful day that changed my life, like, in a second, I wouldn't have never got in that car. Like, I would think and rethink my actions. And during the course of your 13 years inside? Yes, ma'am. What was your day like? I mean, what mentally, what were you going through? Well, of course, the, the, the norm for me was missing my family and how did my life evolve to this? Like, How much time did you spend on State Road waiting to go to trial or waiting for your plea? A year, two years? Maybe a year. And your bail was like some crazy like no bail, right? Like 100000 Then they held me without bail. Even if it thought about getting paid, it couldn't because because of the charge. They, you know, held and me without bail. Initially, as far as you know, at 16, you were being charged with homicide along with carjacking. I was being charged with second-degree murder at first and a slew of other charges. Um S- Okay. Reckless endangerment. And the second degree, no doubt, came because they're alleging that your actions were so reckless it brought about someone else's death. Right. Because they probably at that time didn't want to work hard enough to show that there was intent. Because if so, you would be facing first degree, trust me. The Philadelphia D's office hasn't changed that much, but they've evolved. Thank you, Lord. So so, so I have a question. So what was your, and sometimes, um, I don't listen, sorry. Um, it is a fact. What was your reaction when you found out that this whole crazy, steal the car, let's go for a joyride, nails, it's Greek weekend, all that turned into, what the hell, somebody died? It didn't really hit me. It didn't hit me until I was sitting in jail for a while. Like, I could, because I didn't understand the severity. At 16, you don't. Right, right. I never understood the severity of my actions. I, I never thought that I would be in jail for 13 years. I, ne- I just never thought that any of this would happen. I, that's the only way I can explain it. I never understood the severity of my actions. Because as far as you knew, you started out that day, y'all wanted a car. 
And by good, bad, right, or wrong, y'all were going to get a car. You didn't start out to try to kill nobody. Right. You didn't start out meaning to cause no one to lose their life right. recklessly or otherwise. Right. And during the course of your incarceration, you were up at um, Cambridge Springs. For those of y'all that aren't from Pennsylvania, we got two female state prisons, two. Muncie, which is old, nasty, broke down, been around forever. The newest one is Cambridge or Cambia Springs? Cambridge Springs. Cambridge Springs. How far apart are the two? Not that far, right? Well, maybe like four or five hours. Are they that far apart? Yeah. Which one's closest to Pittsburgh? Uh, Cambridge. Cambridge. Okay. All right. So you went to Muncie for a minute, but you spent most of your time at Cambridge, right? right? What did you do? Let me ask you this. A couple of the guys that we had on our show before you, and we've had several just amazing men, and I know you know Brother John Harrell from CCFI, his partner, Rashid Salahuddin. We had another gentleman, Mr. Ford, who's a, a frequent guest speaker from Exodus. A lot of them said that they made that change while in prison, and, and it was almost as if they suggested they had that opportunity to be still and to listen and to reflect. Did you find that that happened to you as well, or did you already go in knowing this is not who I am and what I'm about and I need to change myself? Both. Okay. I knew that I wasn't raised that way. And I knew that I wasn't raised to be in the street and disrespectful and to be in jail for what I was in jail for. So I, I was ashamed. And, um, you know, I was angry at myself. And I, I, ju I just couldn't believe it. And I'm not going to lie. Today I still can't. You know, I'm, How much I'm, did you blame your mom? My mom? Mm-hmm. In the beginning, ninety nine percent, right? I think so. Okay. I felt like I, you know, whatever. I got over it. Did you write letters to her? I did. My yeah. mom and I always communicated. My mom, even through her addiction, was there for me. Came to visit. Actually, um, was like, my daughter's in jail for murder. I need to stop doing what I'm doing. And as a result, that's when she went into rehab. You know, wow. she wanted to come to her children's aid. Like, her daughter was in jail for murder. She needed to do what she needed to do to be there for me. And what did you do so, during your time up there? Did you get any certificates? You do anything? Everything. Tell I have my cosmetology um, license. I have a certification in fiber optics. Because I was, like, fresh out of high school, I didn't graduate high school. I went in and, you know, received my GED Um I took a building trades course. I did everything, anything that you can think did of. Did you do that just to look good for the parole board or because you I wanted to do it I did it because I wanted to better myself. I did it because I didn't want to be sitting in jail and come home with nothing. How know? many write-ups you get while you're up there? Wow. In 13 years, four. And those were majors or minors? Um, Two were... Maybe three were majors, and one was, you know. And by majors and minors, those y'all don't know the, like the lingo. There's certain rules in every prison, whether it's county or state. Certain little infractions like, you know, getting smart, rolling your eyes at the CO, at the police, they call them. Could be major or minor, depending on where you are. Fights, unless somebody got hurt or seriously injured, could be a minor one. Bringing in contraband, having sex, I know, in the yeah. prisons that I worked in. <laughs> Those are major Majors, violations yeah. that you end up in ad seg and integration yeah, and all that right. stuff. I want to say this to you as you sit here today. I want to say that maybe God put you on that path for a reason. It's a hell of a lesson to learn. I can't sit here and say that or not. But I want to say that we appreciate the steps that you took while you were up there. For sure. And for availing sure. yourself of what's available to you. Because guess what? None of us can start to change. I don't care how old we are. So we recognize that need and we take those steps and reach out for the things that's being 
things that are in our face and being waved in our face. Mm-hmm. So the, I know, and I don't have to speak for the other two because I know that they agree with me. Right. We want to say to you, congratulations. We're proud of you. Thank you. And we hope very proud. that you Thank don't you. stop. And tell us, how long have you been on the street now, Crystal? Since when? I was released August 5th. Of 2012, ladies yes. and gentlemen. <laughs> what is that? Today's August, I mean, October 16th, so that's less than two months. Yeah. Since you've been out, when you got out, what was the first thing you did? You went to McDonald's, what'd you do? No, I um, took a flight home. So I had an express f- flight. My um, uncle met me at the airport, and uh, you know... Uh, we went home, and I just wanted to see my gram. Like, my sister was the first one to run up to me, but I seen them on the regular because I had visits often. Actually, I had visits every month wow. on a screen. In my be- the beginning of my incarceration, they would come up to Cambridge, but it's so far away. It's like 10 hours from Philly. Mm-hmm. It's far. It's expensive, you know. And, you know, my family had jobs and children and, you know, things they have to take care of. So I started getting them on a screen, which was called Virtue Visits. So I would see my family every month. Is that, tell us, I've never even heard of Virtual Visits. Okay, Virtual Visits. Is that free? Um, It's like $20 for an hour. How do you set that up? You set it up through um, Prison Society. Those of y'all who have. Isn't there something that I've read that that, that if you are so far away or you moved so far away that there's some provisions or it's free or something i don't know that there's any um, so. rules or regulations that require the department of corrections to ensure you see your loved ones. well th- th- there's something I that I, I i read when i was doing something well, for i a know show. it's not going to be dlc they're not going to do that well no there may no. be like the prison society or Impact. other non-profits yeah, that Impact. may arrange that's where that you do the virtual visits at. and so if you really want to know information <laughs> about the virtual visits and you have a loved one who's in state prison in pennsylvania in particular far far away We'll make sure we get the information for you from Crystal Walker. And you might just want to put put in virtual prison visits in your browser and see what pops up. So you had the virtual visits with your family members, and then what? So I, I stayed in contact with my family throughout my entire incarceration. Phone calls, letters, pictures, How everything. long were you locked up before you finally admitted everything to your people? I don't think... I think this may be the first time they, they're hearing everything. Wow. You, if you had an opportunity to address Mr. Rosanda's family, what would you say to them? They're listening right now. What do you want to say to them? That with everything in me, I am sorry. Like, I never, ever intended for anyone to die. I am sorry for taking away your son and your brother and your cousin and your uncle and like it's not a day that goes by that I don't think about what took place that my actions took your family member away my actions took your son away my actions took your brother away and you're never going to have like a a good breakfast or a good dinner or a nice walk with your son or your brother or your uncle again so it 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 bothers me you know and what have you done for yourself to ensure you don't go back to that place where you get that reckless thought that you want. Well, I actually have a question before then. What, what have you done and what are you doing to forgive yourself or possibly even getting therapy to make sure that that part, because that has to be powerful. And I see the emotion in your face and I hear it in your voice to be able to say, 
I took someone else's life. I mean, so I, I see that it's affecting you. So I would say before your question, kind of, we have to take care of self first. Have you done any of that? Have you forgiven yourself? I don't know. I don't know. I try not to think about it, and I'm, I'm just trying to move on with my life. I, for the most part, it's like I, I give it to God and let him take the will. While you were at prison, did they have any support groups, therapy, or anything they offered you? They they do, but for the most part, they want you to medicate yourself up. That's how they deal with yeah. things up there. Well, get on medication, and you're fine. Wow. So You can't even get the meds you need on County Road. Well, so that's why I'm going to tell all my clients who need dope, go up state road, go state <laughs> prison. They give you what you need. Well, I'm I would say strike that. Um, trauma affects us all, whether we are victim, a perpetrator, or whatever. So I would suggest that from one injured soul to another that, that you do think, seek some therapy for you. Not medications, but just talk therapy. <laughs> and, um, I, and I think being here today is certainly, hopefully, for you, therapeutic in a way to be able to get that out there and share that. Do you offer and work with CCFI and John Dye and Raheem? Well, I just started with right. them. Like, that's how I got, you know, introduced. But um, I will. <laughs> okay. I will. So if we can get you around young folk who might be going down that road. Right. Um, would you be interested in doing that? Absolutely. Anyone out there, if you have a nonprofit group, some kids, some youngsters that you work with, and you're looking for a powerful, real speaker, so oftentimes, and we had that youngster on here on that show, we had a show called <laughs> Baby Boy, Where You At? And we had a 17-year-old, Dana Gibson's son, Mo, and he said that one thing he said he, he took away from us is that, look, mom and dad, parents, guardians, let me be, and I'll show you who I am. I don't want you just totally just walk away and wash your hands of me, but let me live my life and just be there and offer me that love and that support to let me know that you care, but don't smother me. And I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that's essentially the message that we all received. And along those lines, we had someone here from Frontline Dads, and he offered some wonderful sort of advice and solutions for kids like Mo. And his organization does some wonderful things. So I think if we can pair you with those kind of folks and maybe have another show back here, mm-hmm, for a sure. roundhouse, a sort of a roundtable discussion with the likes of you and the frontline dads and certainly Mo and his generation. Right, and, and what comes to mind was Miss Sharon Q in the ATL right, right. when she was doing some volunteer work for... Um, that wasn't volunteer. She was getting paid for Baptist No, she actually services. started off volunteer. Sharon Started Q, off volunteer y'all giving... remember her. She was our um, photographer. teen girls, young girls, and kind of mentoring them. They were in a, a group, group home, home, I guess. And then she became a full staff there and... Some of this, and, and Renee and I got to meet some of the girls, and my office donated some games and toys, and um, actually even I even donated legal services to one of their kids, and then the family paid me for something else. So it was just a wonderful experience. It was a shame of the way that that Baptist Children's Services worked because the notion behind them was worthwhile, but the agency turned out to be. Okay, we're not oh, going to talk bad about agencies, but anyway, I it's put them true. on blast. They'll be all right. <laughs> but, Krista, but but I, but I think Krista will hearts. be great to speak to girls. And and I know, I mean, I left home at sixteen, you know, because I I knew everything, right. knew everything. <laughs> so when you said sixteen, it's like, oh my god, that is such the pivotal I, age of guys. I have to apologize for the title. 
If I don't come up with the title, our producer has some boring ass title. Nine times out of ten, the show ain't wrapped around that title. Deborah so called so me at seven fifteen and said, "I am just leaving my office. I am downtown." Uh, she said, "What's the title of the show?" Some old. Uh, <laughs> so when you see that, you know that Miss Deborah was tied up in court, and she didn't. And come she up with left the title. Renee to her own devices. So the idea behind this show, the impetus behind this show. One of the things all of you know who are regular listeners to For the People, we like to put forth the grassroots organizations. We like to talk about and put back in everybody's face. Bring to the forefront issues that have been swept away, hushed away, and ignored, and not talked about as much as they need to, because at the end of the day, our job here, our desire here with this show and others like ours, is to come back to that whole notion of village, putting our arms around each other, taking care of each other, and being with each other. We have the two shows about domestic violence, Love Shouldn't Hurt. Domestic violence has been pushed back into the forefront for too long. It's time to bring it back out. You guys, I'm sure, have seen President Obama some of the major sports figures talking about it's not okay for to hit a woman. A woman should not fear the one she loved. And they're trying to bring that back out in the forefront. And that's what we were doing. We're talking about the issues surrounding juveniles. And an issue in particular that Mr. Ford, I like the way he says it, folks are in jail and 90% of them are coming back to us. And how we open our arms and receive them will have some impact, I think, on how our society continues to thrive and move forward and whether or not they're going to assimilate back into us, right, friendly and in sort of a uh, gracious way or scare the hell out of us, take more from us and end back in jail. We have a lot to do and to say to that. And we know that the prisons, especially the male prisons, because there's too many prisoners up there, they're not being able to take advantage of the programs because there's just too damn many of them. And they are letting people go early, letting people out. Well, what are we going to do about it? And so he, his organization is working on this incentive for a returning citizen's bill of rights. Just basic human rights that returning citizens should be guaranteed. Because a lot of things that folk normally had access to before they went to jail, they're losing it. Right. Housing, fair consideration for jobs, welfare, Loans. There's a whole bunch of things that, unfortunately, when you when you um, find yourself convicted of a crime and you come home, that you no longer have. And I hope that you know that all of us are here for you. You got resources out there pulling from you for you. You're welcome to come back to the show at any time. Thank you so much. And we are going to be reaching out to you to to get some ideas about your progress and your processes. And I want you to go on to John Dye's website at CCFI. He got a computer and he got the Internet. You need to listen to last week's show. Okay. And you should be on the Internet typing in CCP. I got right here all a note that I already wrote down. Crystal, <laughs> CCP. So the next my time note we to myself. You, prefer, hopefully you and Black will have put y'all heads together, <laughs> enrolled in school, <laughs> and oh got yourselves going. Education is the way out, my brothers and sisters, my black brothers, white Chinese, Spanish. You got to educate yourself. The more letters you have besides your name, the more likely you are to be proud of who you are. Present how proud who you are, and let the rest of the world know that and, you're worth and taking. It really doesn't um, matter whether my dad used to say to me all the time. I mean, I started CCP when I was 17 years old. Spent seven years on a whole domestic violence relationship, but that's a whole other story. But it took me 24 years 
to get my bachelor's degree, 24 years. And what my dad would say to me is, Renee, the years are going to go by whether you do anything with them or not. So that was taking classes, dropping classes, taking taking classes, fleeing for my life, taking classes, taking a class here, class there. Eventually I got it done. But, and when you get it, no one looks at that diploma on my wall and go, how long did it take you to get that degree? No one cares. And once you get it, they can't take one it One by one, two by two. You take them at night. You take them online. You take them okay, whatever. You got to stay at the mic. You can't be doing that sh- thing you told Crystal not to do. That's Crystal showed doing. me how to do that. I was watching her. <laughs> <laughs> one by one, two by the two. Bottom line is take you, those classes. They cannot take that degree from you once you get it. What you've done so far, the wonderful programs you took while you were in prison, Bully for you, baby girl. That's merely a start. You've merely scratched the surface. You got to show this parole board that you are not that same 16-year-old who made that fateful mistake back in 1999 that landed you in there. And know this. You do not and will not be required to spend this entire time from now until 2029 on parole. Right. There is a process that you can use to ask the parole board to terminate early. There's a process. But before you get there and before I'm willing to talk to you about that process, you got some more things that you need to be doing. Yeah. And you know that John Dye just got his master's degree. Well, he's, he's working on his master's now. I'm sorry. He's got his bachelor's. He's working on his master's now. We expect no less from you, young lady. Okay. You understand I me? I do. So, and, and I just have to add that my saying... My note that I wrote, Crystal CCP, had nothing to do with the parole board. It has to do with you're doing it for you. Right. I just started my Ph.D. a few weeks ago, two months ago, I guess. And over the last year and a half, while I was like trying to find a school, what am I going to be when I grow up? I remembered that this journey I'm on has nothing to do with what am I going to be when I grow up. What's my focus going to be while I'm earning my Ph.D.? This is for me. Because when I was in the lowest point of my life, at the lowest part, this is a goal that I set for myself. So first and foremost, this doctoral journey is for me. (laughs) Second, I'm going to learn a little something. I'll get some letters behind my name and hopefully to translate some cash. But first and foremost, 95% of it is for me. And ladies and gentlemen... Those of you out there and you read Renee's long title and you really do give a crap about the difference between first degree, second degree, third degree, shoot me an email. I'll give you the proper statute. In Pennsylvania, the homicide statutes can be found at 18 PA, which stands for Pennsylvania, section 2502. That's the homicide statute. And you can read it. I'm not going to go into all that over the air. This is a show, Law in Plain Language, but y'all know what we do. We break the law down for you in plain language. And we like to give you background to suggest um, how the law can be interpreted, how it's interpreted on the books, and what really happens in real life. Before I forget, I'm not going to put Crystal's lawyer on blast. I can't say what happened back in 1999 why any lawyer would think that an open plea of 15 to 30 years. First of all, 
when your lawyer tells you that that he or she is is planning an open plea, the first question y'all should have for that lawyer is, Mr. Lawyer, Miss Lawyer, do you know the judge we're in front of? What do you know about that judge? What is his or her tendencies as it relates to what I'm charged with? You feel me? Mm -hmm. For example, I'm going in front of this judge for a third-degree homicide that I'm contemplating um, pleading to. What are my chances? What have you seen him offer other people or sentence other folks to in the past? Make sure, ladies and gentlemen, you know where your lawyer's head's at. Also, understand that with an open plea, you're hoping and praying that the judge is going to do all that he or she can do to mitigate, right? Every state, even the feds, have a sentencing scheme, ladies and gentlemen. There are things called mitigators and aggravators, whether it's a death sentence or a regular jail sentence. Mitigators are things about the person appearing in front of you who's pleading guilty that will let you feel good about yourself, judge, and giving that person a fair and decent sentence less than what he or she would normally get. Aggravators, on the other hand, are things about the person appearing before that judge coupled with the circumstances of the crime that would lead that judge to give that person a stiffer sentence. So those are also important things that need to come into play when you're talking about any kind of plea be it a negotiated plea, an open plea, or a NOLO plea. And if you don't know what a NOLO plea is, go back and listen to juries and waivers and pleas. Oh, my. NOLO plea just means no contest plea. You're not challenging the Commonwealth's evidence. You're just standing there and not saying anything. At the end of the plea, when you say no contest, the judges in Pennsylvania in particular will find you guilty anyway and sentence you, but it just sort of saves face for folks not to have to say guilty. Crystal, we you have our deepest gratitude, deepest sympathy that someone so young found herself in a situation like that. But we're also grateful as you sit here before us that you made it through to the other side, that you didn't come didn't come out angry, full of hate, and ready to just tear up the city because that could have happened. And you you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. For sure. This young lady sitting to my right. The 12-year-old embryo has been through some things, and she is one of the most amazing young women I've ever met in my life. And that's why wherever we go, she'll be with us and more likely be falling behind her because she's about to blow up. So as as we do on every show, Miss um, Black prepares a piece. She's a spoken word artist. She prepares a piece for us. But before we go there, I want you to... Close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes. Imagine you are surrounded by 14, 15, 6-year-old young girls in the youth study center, all of them facing various types of crimes. What advice are you going to tell them from your heart to make them stop and think before they act again? I probably would tell them that I've walked in their shoes I've done it. It's not worth it. Never spend your life wishing you would have went about it a different way. You know, you can't get back those years or, you know, that time that you spent away. And, you know, it, it's it's okay to go to school. It's cool to go to school. And it's it's cool to be, you know, the one making your own decisions and not to be a follower. So that's, for the most part, 
what I would say to them. And any final words or endearments or anything you want to say to your family members who are listening? To everybody, to my family members, to friends, friends of the family, thank you for supporting me. Thank you for rocking out with me heavy. I love you. I love all of you, like, so much. Thank you. And, y'all, when she come home, grab a microphone, a fake one, and teach her how to put that in her mouth, okay? <laughs> to the Walker family and all the other family members, God bless you. We, um, I can't imagine what y'all could have gone through. And through and to Crystal's mother and her grandmother, wow, that has got to be one of the hardest, most difficult things that one can endure. But I'm sure that you're both proud and happy to have her home and to see the kind of young lady that she's developed into. It's a shame she had to go to that horrible place she went to to develop, but we just want to say to y'all, God bless you, and take care of her. She's here now. You don't have to wish her home no more. She's here. Be there with her. And please, Mom and Grandma, you hear us saying this on For the People, Law and Plain Language. Crystal needs to reach out to CCP. They got all kind of programs, and guess what? She's unemployed right now, and they have a program that's for folks who are unemployed. All she got to do was go on the CCP's website. So the next time I reach out to her, I'm hoping that she has some information for me, her and prayerfully, Sister Black, about what they've done in order to... (laughs) And that petition to get Black in school, if you want to harass her, you can just email me. For the people, law and plain language, put in the subject line, Black, Crystal, (laughs) education. Don't forget those you budding musicians out there. Remember, we're sponsoring and we're looking for an independent artist to write our theme song. The theme song has to be original. It has to be instrumental. It has to be funky, and it has to at least represent Dad Brandy, the compassionate Lori, what y'all heard about her, Black, a.k.a. the broke poet, and the groovy Ph.D. candidate producer. Baby, hit him with a little bit of the, of the, of the theme song we'll use now. Y'all feel this beat? You hear this beat? It's got to be something like this. And for those of y'all that aren't familiar with this instrumental piece, this is the instrumental um, track to um, Jay-Z's My First Song. We don't want you to send us My First Song Again rewritten. We want your own original work, and you best believe... Music and words have to be original. original. I'm going to ask you to demonstrate that it's original. And if you have questions about the um, theme song competition... Hit us with an email, Deborah. I strike that for the people at DebraRennyLaw.com. We have cash prizes. And there, there will be more information forthcoming about the actual competition. And I just want to, it's, it's so, every show when we do this and we have the returning citizens on the show, I'm sitting between two of the most impressive young women after what they've been through and their journeys and where they've taken them. That it's just, it just really, really feels good to knock out those bullshit stereotypes about folks that go to jail they can only be this or can only be that the hell with all that you are what you put your heart and your mind to being crystal god bless you and good luck god bless you thank you y'all know what time it is for sure for sure um real quick i just want to say um crystal stay strong out here man glad to have you home um stay positive you know when you're returning citizen, it's a lot. Like, I've been home for a few months, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of, of obstacles and roadblocks, but just fight through them, you know what I'm saying? Fight through them, stay positive, and, and keep what you got, what you gain.
can't nobody take from you. You feel me? Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Just a girl before you 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 you, you hit us with your um, your wonderful skills. Any final words that you have, Crystal? Well, thanks to all of you and everybody at CCFI who plugged me in. Thank you. And like I said, everyone um, who supported me throughout my incarceration and still support me now. And especially thank you to my family. Like, I love you all. And God bless everybody. And we may talk Crystal into doing some sort of a timeline to give us an idea where she's at. And we may, if we get her to agree to that, track it on the For the People Facebook page. Stay tuned for further information if that develops. And that's sure. so cool. That just popped into my head just now. Chris was like, yeah, I'm going to do that for real. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and, and tonight we're going to end with Black, so we're going to say our goodbyes. And sure, sure. as we do on each and every show, see ya! Alright, this one is called Strive or Die. At this point, I did crime, which led to doing time. I sold dimes, I snatched purses, the cops came, I changed verses. I said it wasn't me, shit. They knew it was. I done tried almost every type of drug. I've been sentenced, convicted, evicted from from existence, state prison and substitution for living, cognitive decisions stemming from third world country conditions. I robbed, I stole. I took a deal. It feels more like I sold my soul to parole, but I'm home. I'm home. Now what? Do I die or do I strive? Strive for what? Closed doors, lost opportunity, denied job applications, sharp eyes of scrutiny, people who remember me for who I am statistically, as if a record could show the growth of the enemy. Strive. Why? I can't get no lower than where the ground at. And when the hell did McDonald's start doing background checks? Or maybe I was meant to chip away at the path that paves the way for returning citizens or citizens that have yet to make it in the system, system and are still free. Strive to show that records are records and numbers are numbers, but everybody is a human being. Strive to do what they felt I wouldn't. Strive to do it because they said I couldn't. Success is priceless. And they will say I can't have it. And I would have to work much harder to get it. But baby, once I got it, words can't express this feeling. Don't die. Strive. Wow. Bye. Terrible. Say bye, family. Later. Wow. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you. presented on For the People is provided as general legal information. The general legal information is intended to inform consumers is not intended to substitute for specific legal advice as it relates to the listener's specific legal issue. 
consumers are cautioned not to rely on the general legal information broadcast on For the People as legal advice. No attorney-client relationship is created, intended, or implied between the consumers of For the People and Deborah Rainey Esquire, the compassionate lawyer, or the law office of Deborah D. Rainey. Please consult with an attorney for your specific legal issue.